Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Stride Power Podcast. As always, my name is Evan. Today, we have a, another episode where we are sharing a Stride success story. I am joined by my personal friend, Alex, who uses Stride and has an awesome success story. Alex, first off, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. How are you? I am fantastic. I love being able to sit down and talk running, but also share success stories in running. And that's what we're going to do today. Before we go any further, can you just share your success story with us and tell us before we dive into all the details about your accomplishment? Yeah, so I ran the 2022 Houston Marathon back in January and uh, PR'd over my 2020 race by 26 minutes. In a marathon, full marathon, 26 minute PR for those not wanting to do the quick math. That's around about one minute per mile improvement over the course of two years over a whole marathon, which I think frankly is amazing. I was fortunate enough to be able to follow along with your running over you know, the course of that two years, but to be able to PR by that massive amount, I think is amazing. And there's some interesting points. Um, I think that we're going to talk about that don't just come from the previous training block right before the marathon. And over the course of that whole two years, there was a ton of improvement and it's not necessarily just shown on race day. It's that gradual buildup over time. And so we're going to dive into uh, some of those details. But to kind of get us started, can you tell us how you got started in running and what your running journey has kind of looked like? Yeah, so I started running in 2014, shortly after graduating college. Um, I thought that it's a it's a relatively cheap sport, and I didn't, you know, I was fresh out of college, so was, that was really attractive. Um, and now I have like 20 pairs of shoes. So, um, but so I thought, okay, well, I I'm not good at running. Uh, I don't like not being good at running, so I'm gonna start running. And I started with Couch to 5K in May. Uh, and ran my first 5k in July and ran a 30 minute and one second 5k. I uh, got third for my age group and uh, just kind of kept going. I decided I was going to run a, a half in November, uh, trained with a club around here. And then really the bug hit the next year. Um, I decided I, I wanted to get more serious and follow my own training plan um, and, and 2016 was really the year that I, I found a, a running community that was focused on, on kind of PRing and, and getting the most out of yourself. And from there, I went from a 214 half all the way down to a 143 within, in, you know, basically a span of a year. Uh, and that's, that's sort of been where everything really started for me. What was your first initial experience and maybe mindset around following a training plan, because that is a sort of unique thing, but also a shared experience with a lot of runners, especially runners who maybe start running, like you mentioned, after college, um, start with something like Couch to 5K, where you have a program that you follow and you kind of build that pattern of following something day in and day out. But then switching to a more structured program can kind of be intimidating? Did you find any like resources that helped you um, along the way? Or did you just find a training plan and just say, you know what, I'm just going to follow this because it says it's a half marathon, uh, you know, training plan stuff. What was kind of your your journey setting up with more structured training? Yeah, so 
the Reddit communities, the Reddit running and advanced running communities were really instructive in helping me figure out where to go uh, to train on my own. I think for the the first half I did in 2016, I've just followed the Higdon Intermediate Plan. Um, it's, it is what it is, but I feel like uh, it was a, a manageable amount of running. You had a little bit of speed work every week, but it was really clear. It's very easy to understand, and but it makes you feel like you're doing a really solid job training for something. And I think there's a lot of value in those plans. Um, after that, I moved to uh, something that that the advanced running people tend to to like, which is the Pete Fitzinger uh, books, and ran a fantastic, the, the you know one of the best races I've ever run off of that training, um, and that is a lot less approachable. It's it's very much it's it's an exhausting plan, I will say that, um, but. There's a lot of, it's not as bad as maybe a Jack Daniels plan where it's just alphabet soup, but there's a lot of terminology. You really have to read the whole book to be able to understand the plans. Um, and that can be really intimidating uh, if you're if you're just getting into it and you don't have anybody to sort of help you out, try to figure out, you know, what it, the, the age old question, what is a tempo? Um, so I, I think, I don't think I would have had as much success with that if I hadn't had people to sort of um, show me the ropes on those plans. Mm -hmm. um, I have a couple, I guess, follow-up questions about what you just talked about. Um, did you experience any, um, you know, like shortcomings or like just frustrations with plans like that? Because you you referred to a great point um, of, you know, what is a tempo? And I feel like you could, uh, you know, talk in depth about this, about like who has a definition for a tempo run being X, Y, and Z or ABC or a certain percentage of your goal pace, or it's a certain heart rate, or it's a, mm -hmm. you know, exact certain pace, but maybe you're running hills. Maybe there's some wind. We can talk about <laughs> uh, some of that stuff uh, in a little bit, but did you experience any, um, you know, frustrations generally with those types of training plans and trying to uh, convert those into the actual runs that you're going to be doing throughout all your training blocks. Yeah. So um, specifically the, the Fitzinger plan, I had a few things that I came out uh, wishing were a little bit different. So first of all, that plan was written with, you know, very, very fit young men in mind. Uh, and so as someone who was, you know, coming off of a, a 157 half marathon uh, an hour for, or, you know, 10 miles for me is a really long time on my feet. Whereas for someone running 20, 30, 40 minutes faster than me and a half, it's not nearly that same amount of time. So I think one of the things that I took from it was that by and large mileage based plans are not nearly as scalable for, for, you know, the wider audiences um, and time or, or honestly converting to kilometers for those of us who are on the, the slower end of things probably makes a lot more sense to help manage stress, basically. Mm -hmm. um, mileage doesn't really tell you a lot about the stress. And so a lot of people try to pair that with heart rate, uh, which is something that, that Fitzinger recommends is, is training by heart rate rather than straight paces. But I was doing, I started that plan, I think in probably August in Texas. Um, and 
there's uh, for a November half marathon, you're undergoing vast changes in in weather and temperature. Um, so it it you know the humidity backs off and the temperatures go way down near the end of the plan, which is great, but you can't manage your effort nearly as well doing heart rate based training. Um, I've found, and most of the time, you know, I, I still track heart rate and everything. I still take a look at it, but it's, things are just going to be very different. Uh, paces are going to be different and effort is going to be different no matter how hard, you know, what, what heart rate zone you try to stick to. Um, and so I don't, I feel like heart rate training probably has a, there's a place for it, but it's probably not Dallas in the middle of the summer. Totally. Um, so you made your way through a couple different types of training plans, trying different mixtures of intensity, specific programming related to mileage, like you just mentioned, uh, tracking heart rate, trying to look at that, experiencing you know how influential heat and humidity can be on your rate of perceived exertion and stuff. Was there a point that you decided you wanted to try stride? And what did that point kind of look like to uh, think more about incorporating running power? I, so I got, I started kind of a long cycle of injuries right after that 2016 half marathon. And I, I want to say that I started with stride in 2018 um or i think it was either 2018 or 2019 but basically i have i've been kind of look yeah so it was early 2019 i up until that point i had not been able to finish plans um i had stalled out in in prs i hadn't pr'd for literally years in any distance um and i just couldn't figure it out. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I had tried other plans and I always ended up injured at the end. And so I was basically at the end of my rope, just looking for, I'm going to try something that says it can help, you know, prevent injury and, and help me train and race smarter because clearly what I was doing wasn't working. Um, and so I got the stride in, in early 2019 and that's, kind of where everything started going right. Um, I, I do, I prefer the power-based methods because it is, it, it can account, like you said, now for wind, for heat, for humidity, for hills, for all of those things. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that say they can do that, but I also think that the plans themselves the, just the, the regular distance-based or uh, time-based plans themselves are really excellent at striking the balance that so many of us newer and, and, and adult newer runners can't necessarily peg for ourselves. So uh, looking back now, I think what I was having trouble with is that I was going, I was always running too hard. Um, and those, the getting into those plans helped me stick to easier efforts when I needed to, um, which gave me the ability to do the harder efforts correctly. And it's, it's easy to say, well, obviously, like, that's what everyone says, 80, 20, and all that kind of stuff. But finding out, like, getting to know your body at the level that 
you can actually say, no, this is too easy or no, this is too hard can be very difficult for some of us, especially those of us who are, are still figuring it out. And once you've got it, once you understand, oh no, like there is a time and a place where I can run an easy run and truly stop running and not even really be out of breath at all. Like you don't always have to walk into the house and just be like hands on knees panting. That's, that is too hard for an easy run. Um, that was something that I found in 2019 is, is where that kind of line was. And that was a real, you know, light bulb moment for me was, oh, I've just been running too hard. Um, and that sort of been the foundation for all of the, the work that I've been able to put in that got me to the finish line in Houston. Yeah. Um, one question before we kind of dive into some more specifics, looking at that kind of two-year chunk um, from the Houston Marathon, which is in early 2020, then covering some of that training leading up to Houston Marathon 2022. Um, you had talked about some of the difficulties, maybe knowing exact intensity with past plans and knowing how to, um, like you, you, you made a really good point that I agree with too, for a lot of plans that might be geared towards people that are faster or, you know, a a uh, 10 mile run might take somebody 70 minutes if they're trying to run, you know, under 80 minutes for half marathon on a normal training day. But then if you are running any amount slower than that, and you're still trying to cover the same amount of distance, you're going to be out there for longer. So it is a um, different type of stress uh, for, for training. But the question I have is, did you have any sort of learning curve or learning experience incorporating running power. And if you can maybe think about any, any concept out there, whether it's a power duration curve or it's using a race power calculator or doing critical power tests and understanding, um, you know, auto calculated critical power. Did you have any sort of, uh, moments where it clicked for you or experiences where you feel like you learned, um, about training through, through running power? I, so having been around since early 2019, I've been able to sort of see the rollout of a lot of these features, which has been really cool. Um, the power duration curve has been really the most interesting part of it for me, because if you understand the power duration curve, you it kind of means that you already understand how CP is calculated, which is, you know, you kind of want to understand that if you're going to be using this as a tool. Um, and so understanding that something that just happened to me the last week, my CP went down when I knocked 30 seconds off of my mile time, because now the, 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 the power curve understands, okay, you have this, this top end power, but after that six minutes, it falls off by 20 Watts or something. So you're clearly geared towards faster things. So we're going to, to make it, we're going to predict that it's going to be a, a lower power for you at the longer endurances. And so that just understanding sort of what you need to do to keep your power curve up, to understand like you, that there are, are, you don't know what you're going to do based on your old PR from two years ago or something. You don't define yourself by what you did a long time ago. You define yourself by what you've done in the last 90 days because that's the most predictive value. Um, that's been interesting and that's been helpful for me to sort of understand how everything works, but also to buy in and believe, okay, it, it's, it's predicting something 
based on what I've done. And so if I've been doing everything correctly in these plans and, and feeding it the data it needs, it's going to be able to give me pretty good information about what I can do. And, and once, you, once you buy into it and, and are willing to feed it the data it needs, it, for me, it's been, it's been really solid. Yeah, let's fast forward then um, to maybe race day in 2020, Houston Marathon, and you ran your first marathon there. Yep. What was your kind of experience with uh, maybe using power on race day and then that sort of motivation or thoughts that came into your mind immediately after? Because a few months after that, a lot of races, um, you know, went on hiatus for, for, for a year or so. And so there, there was a, a, a long gap after that. But what was your experience maybe on that race day and then kind of immediately after that race day, too? So that race day, I had I that was sort of the beginning of of everything for me. I had struggled for a couple of years to get to the start line and I had followed the training plan and it had gone well. And that was sort of the cycle where I learned what running easy was supposed to feel like. Um, and I, I got to the start line. I'm like, Oh my God, I did the thing. I got to the start line. I haven't really spent any time thinking about what it's going to be getting to the finish line. So I was, I was, man, if you had seen me in the, the, the pre-race area, I was a mess. I was so nervous. Like, because it was it suddenly the task ahead. And you know, you don't, no matter how many 20 milers you run, it's never gonna be the same as, as race day. Um, but I, I had my sort of my wattage that I was supposed to hit um, and I was willing to just go out and do that. It seemed like a daunting prospect. And I think whenever you see your, your power target for a race, it's, it would make sense that it's kind of daunting because it, that's, it's, a, it's a race, it's gonna be hard that's kind of what you signed up for. Um, but I, I just sort of trusted in it. And I, it, it was interesting. So I was using an older version of the like the power race app back then. And I think I, I hadn't paired something correctly. So it lost connection with my watch, but it said I was I was at that 177 watts forever because it you know, the it, something wasn't right with that. And I at some point I was like, well, I guess I've just got to go on feel. And I, I continued to do that. And I, you know, I had a good race and everything. I, I get to the end, I sink my watch and I actually did hit 177 Watts for that race. So it, it was what I was supposed to do. It was what felt natural for that distance. And it, it that was kind of, that, that was a moment where I'm like, well, okay. Like it, it got me, I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have any feedback. And I, I still nailed exactly what it wanted out of me just by feel. And that was really encouraging in knowing that, okay, this, this, this is probably something that I can keep using. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really interesting point too. Um, and you mentioned this prior that if you start to understand like a power duration curve, if you start to understand, um, you know, running up a hill, it feels harder, but then also in real time, you can see your wattage go up. Like, 
stride is inherently a tool and training with power is a tool. The athlete is always the one responsible for the actual running. There's nothing you can really, uh, you know, put on your body. There's no uh, wearable tech that is going to do the effort for you and the job for you. But um, it is a good testament to if you incorporate a tool that you rely in over the course of a training cycle, even if something, um, you know, goes wrong with technology on race day, you can still tune into that feel and run exactly what you had practiced. And then lo and behold, it ends up averaging exactly um, what you had set up to do too. What is the next um, year, year and a half kind of look like after Houston 2020? Because the next marathon you ran was Houston 2022. Mm-hmm. And yeah, after, you know, a two year, um, you know, training block, tr- multiple training cycles, you end up running a 26 minute PR in the marathon, which is frankly, uh, absolutely amazing. But what does that next um, year, year and a half, two years look like after Houston 2020? Yeah, so I I had still had some injury issues in that cycle, uh, getting to the start line in 2020, that I, I needed to address. Um, and so I, I took some time to recover from the race. And then I knew that Actually, I had signed up for Houston 2021, so I had planned my year out. Okay, I'm going to do maybe a half cycle over the summer just to sort of build up that base, get in a place where I'm ready for the stress of marathon training cycle. My my goal has always been use the summer to get a base to where you're at, you know, 45 miles on average per week with, you know, a 16 mile long run so that getting up to that marathon length long run isn't such a huge jump in stress and you can allocate some more of the, the, the weekly stress increase to quality. Um, so my, I, I started working with my PT and everything, um, got, got sort of did that, that half cycle. And then about halfway through the marathon cycle, they finally said, ah, oh, we're going to cancel the race. Um, and, and this uh, is 2021, just to like set timelines. I was in 2021. Uh, they they canceled the 2021 race. This was the 2020 year leading into that. So okay. I kind of mostly followed the the marathon plan, but I decided I probably didn't need to do the 20 milers since there were no races on on the horizon. And I really I there I did not race from Houston 2020 until May of 2021, and that that marathon cycle over bridging the gap between um, I I guess ending in January was a really important training cycle for me. I, something clicked. I was running faster. I was running at higher power at the same stress level. And I think a lot of that was just, I mean, it necessarily had to be efficiency. It, it, it wasn't cadence or anything. So I was able to suddenly handle more mileage at the same stress levels, which gave me a foundation to sort of build on in 2021 to get to Houston in 2022. So I PR'd, I had a 5k PR in May, um, finally went under 22 minutes. That was my first PR in four years, I think. Um, and after that, I, I started building up for, for Houston. Um, I added in some cycling as well. 
Um, I, I feel like that being able to cross train is helpful. Um, but I did sort of get ready. I, I built up my base mileage um, over the summer. And then I guess the cycle started in about September uh, or October, I think, for, for the marathon. And that was, I was already in a good place. Uh, mileage wise, I'd gotten comfortable in the 14 to 16 mile long run range and somewhere around that 45 mile a week mark. Um, and I knew that what I could probably handle in the upcoming cycle was about eight hours of stress mm -hmm. um, per week. So that that's, I had been comfortable doing that. I knew that I, I was probably about seven, seven and a half hours before that, but I knew I had a little bit more left in me. And I knew that I was going to need that to be able to handle um, workouts and stuff. Um, so that was kind of where the cycle for Houston started. Yeah. And let's talk about that cycle. You used a stride marathon plan mm -hmm. and you had, you know, multiple workouts that are focused on, um, you know, 5k, 10k intensity, something right, you know, right around your critical power, but then also incorporating those longer runs and then some longer threshold sessions, regular strides, um, mm -hmm. like, it, you know, every, every week and just working on all areas of that fitness. What was your mindset heading into uh, Houston Marathon 2022? So I knew that I really, I, I had been through a number of stride plans already. So I kind of knew what was in store for me and I knew what parts of it worked, which was basically those plans are great for holding me back from doing too much. Um, that I, I, I like starting with those plans and I know um, I respond well to medium long runs in the plans. So what I typically do is um, use the, the tool within the app to modify the Tuesday workout for the mod, uh, for the, the marathon plan and add on longer warmups and cool downs so that suddenly my workout that, that was maybe, you know, 60, 70, 80 minutes turns into 90 or a hundred and gives me the stimulus of the long run and the stimulus of the workout. Um, and, and I think it's valuable to combine those things so that, you know, you, you get each of them individually but you practice running on tired legs, uh, even during the cool down. So that's that's a modification I, I usually make on on those plans. Um, the strides on on Thursdays, those are, God, I hate them so much. I I will never like strides, but I think it's incredibly valuable because it's so easy to lose that top end power if you're not working on it. Um, and, and just the sort of the, the neuromuscular sort of connections there, just keeping in touch with that helps. And it's funny because I can see like my strides right now, it's so much uh, coming off of a, a much faster uh, cycle. It's so easy to, you know, do them at maybe 20, 30 watts more than I was able to do them during the marathon cycle because I just had so many more miles in my legs and I was focused on that sort of threshold-ish power. Um, so yeah, that's, so that's, you know, Monday easy, Tuesday medium long run workout, Wednesday easy, Thursday strides, Friday, I usually like to, I think those were usually real recovery days, which I very much appreciated because I was doing, you know, a lot of time on feet and having a run where you can just go into it knowing 
this is this is my plot along day. This is my we're just getting out and practicing running. And that's all we have to do today. That is that is mentally valuable when you're in like the depths of a, of a marathon plan for me. Um, and then Saturday, our, my club always runs on our long runs on Saturdays. So that that's sort of a, a, a thing that I was able to do was modify that. And, and I would always tend to let those be a little bit faster because I think, especially when you're, that's one of the challenges of following your own plan while running with other people. Um, and and you, as long as I can modify it, it's, it's great. And I, I can just say, I know I'm going to stick with some faster people. That's part of the value of running with other people is that they challenge you to do things. I knew I had room sort of in the stress of, of the week to be able to do that. And so I, I typically ran those more up tempo than, than what the plan sort of suggested, because I knew that was a, it was already going to happen. And B it was, it's, it's helpful to get that sort of a little bit of, of harder work for me in with the long run. And then yeah. Sundays I always took off. And you figured out that, um, you know, little bit of customization, like you mentioned, adjusting to make a Tuesday workout, uh, have a little bit more padding on the warm up and cool down, which is super easy to do in the app, just using the workout builder and workout editor. Um, but then leaning into knowing that you have that structure that has worked for you in the past, mm -hmm. but then adding that tiny bit of uh, specificity and customization layer um, to yourself, which I think is really important to understand that most times pre-generated plans are fantastic templates that will get you 99% of the way there, right? Like they will get you usually to the starting line, provided you stay healthy through the whole uh, training cycle. But those fine tune adjustments that you can make is, you know, th that's that opportunity to influence the, the general structure of the plan with things you know work for you. And that's the mm -hmm. whole point of being able to edit stuff, be able to drag, drop, reorder, um, you know, change out some repeats, change out some targets here and there, use a, you know, the workout library to add in something that seems a little bit more fun, sub in some, you know, short hills instead of strides for a day. So that customization is really that thing that you leaned into and, and found worked uh, really well for you. The, I guess, last sort of uh, question I have is you were getting closer to Houston Marathon 2022. What was your goal for the race and then how did it go and what was your experience because the marathon you'd run previously was two years before that the same exact course and you knew what to expect um in terms of what a marathon felt like uh but what was your goal heading into it and how did it go during the race yeah so i this is why i always run the same races basically it's because i like knowing what's 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 what i'm in store for um, that, that first time that I ran Houston, I didn't really know what I was in for. I, you know, I, I, I was just, I was a wreck because I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, I didn't know what was coming next. This time I had already run the course. I knew where everything was. I, I, I was ready for it. And going into it, my goal was a BQ. So for me, that's a, a 3.30 or under. Um, I... I knew that I had done everything I could up until that point. I was by taper time. I was so ready to never run a step again. And then I had my, my taper and I was suddenly feeling a whole lot better. Um, and I just knowing what was in store for me, I knew 
what it was going to be like. I knew how much time I had. And so I came into the, the bag drop and everything knowing, all right, I need to get out of here because it's a lot long. It's a lot further to the corral than I thought it was. Like just that kind of knowledge helped me be ready to not be panicked about anything. And so when I got to the start line, you know, it's, it's a, it's a daunting thing to try to, you know, to aim to take 20 something minutes off of your, your marathon time. Um, but I also knew that everything I had run in the, the two years between those two races had gotten me to the point where I had a shot at it. So um, I, I, I've always had good experiences with the pacers at my local races. Um, so my plan was to probably just stick with them for, for a little while. Um, but because of the way the corrals worked out, I was sort of chasing them for the first couple of miles uh, despite knowing that you're not really supposed to go, you know, gung ho in the first five miles. Um, but it worked out really well for me because at that point uh, I was able to sort of match up the wattages and Houston is very flat. So I didn't really need to worry about, Oh, save it for the Hills later. Um, so when I caught them, I was already kind of feeling good moving faster. And uh, it was right at the, the prescribed wattage. I think it said I could do, I think it, it was suggesting 200 Watts on average. And I ended up at 199 for the whole race. Um, but I, I just, I felt good. I knew what I was doing. I had faith in, in the numbers. I had faith in my training most importantly, and we got really lucky with some fantastic weather and it just, the, the feelings of being prepared for this and knowing what was in store just colored the experience so much for me because I, suddenly felt like a veteran. I felt like, okay, I, I know what I'm doing. I can encourage the other people. I can have this positive vibe and I can hook up with other people with positive vibes. I think for the last 13 miles, uh, I ran with a woman who, who lives in Houston and we were just, we were able to just sort of chat and, and make it uh, a comfortable, fun experience for the two of us. And absolutely, like it was still a marathon. It, it still got painful at the, the sort of the overpasses in, in the later miles, but I knew they were coming. I knew what to expect. And I knew that when I got through those, it was, it was time to go. And so I was able to sort of pick up the pace, pick up the power and um, make it in under a uh, few minutes under my, or three minutes under my time goal. Yeah. And your um, last few miles when you started to pick it up you found yourself like able to uh lean into that and actually be able to like throw the power down and close really really well i um you know remember following along with the results and seeing uh you know every 5k split super consistent but then the last um what do they usually do like last 2.2 miles or something mm -hmm. like that or the last couple of miles like just seeing that pace ramp up um is a product of that dedicated training over, over two years, honestly. Um, but then also feeling confident in the goal of knowing when to hold back kind of earlier and stick exactly to your target. Um, but then being able to average within half a percent of what, you know, the race power calculator says you can do on the Houston marathon course, I feel like is, uh, again, a testament to you being, you know, the athlete running and it's, it's never just the tool that does the work for you, but it is a good thing to rely on and give you the trust in yourself to be able to execute, um, on that race day too. I guess the last, last question I have is, uh, how has training been going recently? Cause we're a few months post 
uh, Houston Marathon 2022. Have you run any sort of uh, personal bests across multiple distances over the past <laughs> month or something like that? Yeah, so I was, uh, I've been kind of thinking about it. So after after so many years of not having a, a, a PR of any sort, uh, in the last six months, I've run sort of all of the PRs. So I, I PR'd in, in the half uh, ahead of Houston and then obviously at Houston. And then last week I ran a mile and knocked 30-ish seconds off of my um, best mile. And then last night I ran a 5K and was able to PR by about 30 seconds there as well. Um, so I am just, all of, all of the work that I've been putting in has paid off so tremendously. And kind of like what I was saying about Houston, the, the good vibes just kind of keep building and, and you feel, you just feel good about running. And so you want to do more of it and, and, and do it better um, and do it right. Like, that's the thing is it, I think what I learned the most from having had this tool to hold me back is that this isn't supposed to be that hard. Like I don't get paid to do this. I, it's I'm doing this ostensibly for fun. So if I'm not getting something, even on those days in the marathon cycle where I was exhausted and, you know, like Des says, I was falling asleep in my soup, I still enjoyed that to some extent. And I knew that it was going to pay off later on down the line. And I think for me, getting to a place in sort of my relationship with running where I was able to do it in a way that brought me joy, like that that feeling is the one that that I get when I'm doing it right and that's how I know I'm I'm doing what I'm supposed to but I'm not overdoing it yeah absolutely I think that's the best take-home message that you can do is and and, and share is really knowing that you are executing on all cylinders and really really hitting everything you're supposed to do which sometimes is holding back to know that you can provide yourself the the bandwidth to push hard when it really counts. Um, last, last, last question. Uh, I, I promise is what's next for you and what are the um, next sort of immediate goals in front of you? Yeah. So that's after being so oriented kind of towards the marathon for, for those two years, it's been really freeing to be able to just sort of say, I can do whatever I want now. Like it, I, I'm I'm hopeful that I'll be running uh, Boston next April, but between now and whenever I need to start training for that, I can really do whatever I want. Um, so that's that's why I went from the marathon down to the mile is because, you know, why not? Um, and so that's sort of the what I'm going to try to take with me is I, I want to keep training. I want to keep training well, but I want to do it in a way that um, is it, it, sort of lower pressure than the marathon. So. I have a, a half I'm signed up for in early June that I'm excited about. Um, I, I, if it may be a PR, it may not be. Um, mostly, I just want to go and have fun. This is the first time uh, I'm doing kind of a destination race, so I, I'm really excited about that one. I think it's going to be a blast. And then after that, I don't really have anything planned. Um, I, I'll probably do a half my my local uh, half in November because I I just really like doing that one, but there's no pressure, whatever happens, happens. And, and I'm just kind of rolling with the punches and taking everything as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank you again so much for coming on. 
We really appreciate you sharing your stride success story, and we can't wait to check in and hear about the next 26-minute PR. Um, and we wish you the best of luck and best of skill in the rest of the upcoming training blocks. And we will check, every, check in with everybody on the next episode of the Stride Power Podcast. Thanks again, Alex.